Welcome to the Limitless Entrepreneur Podcast, your weekly dose of strategies and mindset tools to build a business in alignment with your purpose and get you playing a bigger game. I'm your host, Nicole Leno. Hello, and welcome to the Limitless Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Leno, and I am here with a special, special guest today, my friend, Gloria Chow. Gloria Chow is a diplomat turned PR guru, and she now helps entrepreneurs become recognized in their industry as an industry leader. So what I love about your story, Gloria, is that you are kind of an unlikely PR guru, that you kind of, you're... you're you're sort of scrappy. You figured this out. You figured out this process. It wasn't like, oh, I came from this big agency and kind of, you know, and now I take that and apply it to entrepreneurship. No, you're on the ground and you're like, no, 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 this works because I didn't have a big fancy PR firm behind me. So, so why don't you introduce yourself? Tell everybody a little bit more about your story because you can tell it better than I can. Oh, thank you so much for having me on, Nicole. Yes, this episode is for anyone that is thinking that they're an outsider or that they don't have the necessary experience. This episode is for you. So, um, you know, I was I was going my diplomacy route. I loved international relations. I'm bicultural. But then I realized being a bureaucrat was literally killing my soul. <laughs> and I really just love to see people win. You know, I was a strong communicator and I always loved connecting people with opportunities. And, I, and so I thought, okay, I really want to just jump into PR. I applied, I must have applied for over a thousand jobs, like on LinkedIn. I had people putting in referrals for me and no PR agency would hire me because the first question is, have you worked at an agency? And I didn't, right? So I've done lots of communication work, but never worked at an agency. And um, my next tour was going to be in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, not a bad place, but I was looking at three more years of government service. And I just had to look, you know, inside of myself and, and, and make a decision. So I basically took the leap. I moved back home at age 30 at the height of my quote unquote career, gave up my pension, my, my diplomatic passport, everything. And I started from scratch. And um, I just started cold calling, you know, honestly, like just rolling up my sleeves, like in the, in the trenches, I had no Rolodex. I had no journalist contact friends. I didn't even know like what anything was. Right. But I just knew that People deserve an opportunity to get featured and they should not have to rely on a huge budget to do it. So what did I do? I worked with tiny startup clients, right? They gave me 500 bucks to get them on TV, 250 to get them onto online. And I ended up getting them on like CNBC, Wall Street Journal, New York Times, Yahoo Finance, like every single thing. And they ran out of budget. And I was like, hmm, maybe I could do this. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I, you know, I love that. I mean, I love the entrepreneurial spirit, which you obviously have. And I love that you looked at your life and it wasn't like you had, you had the the good life on paper. Like you had, you, you had kind of a prestigious position and this proceed, you know, what, what people look at and they're like, wow, you're a diplomat like that. I'm sure there was some of that identity that was a bit seductive and, and, you know, and, and, and you gave it up because you were like, this isn't an alignment for me. This isn't what I want to do. It isn't. And I think at the end of the day, when you realize that you don't have all the time in the world and life is so uncertain and the older we get, like every day we, I see people, you know, news of people passing or something, you stop treating your time like, like it's so cheap, like you have so much of it. Right. <laughs> and so that's what I did. And boy, am I glad that I made that decision at 30 and not at 40. But yes. And it wasn't <laughs> easy. There's lots of ugly cries, lots of nights where I, I was seeing my friends getting houses and investing and they were going on all these beautiful, fancy trips. And I was just kind of like, you know, 
obviously stuck at home, but I just had to stay the course. And I'm so glad now I'm finally at a point where I've been able to turn my failures into a pitching framework that's really made a huge impact. Every day I get messages from founders who have watched my free class and they said, I got on the front page of Cosmopolitan or I got my tiny little you know, lipstick company onto BuzzFeed. And that really makes me feel good. And I feel like I'm, I'm truly making the impact that, that I'm meant to make now. So. And, and this is kind of what I want to talk about in this episode and why I was so excited to have you on. Cause you and I met in a room in, on clubhouse and I heard your story and I was like, I, I really would love to interview you on the show. I was, I was listening to you and there was just something about your story because I think PR is something cause it has intimidated me. And I think it intimidates a lot of people. They think like I need to be at a certain place or I need to do a certain thing, or I need X amount of followers that I think there's this, we sort of play out in our heads that like, I'm going to submit something. They're going to look at my Instagram and they're going to see that I only have 500 followers and that I, and then they're not going to accept me. So I shouldn't even try, I think is usually where everybody ends up and, or it just gets overwhelming. And I love that you kind of, you take the people who you're, you're not getting the Amy Porterfield's PR because that's kind of easy, isn't it? You know, how I built an eight-figure brand by teaching people how to create email lists and digital courses. Like that's a story. And, you know, you help people find their story and and really develop themselves as a, as a thought leader. So what is something that you think that you see come up with entrepreneurs or the people that you work with? What's some of the most common misconceptions people have about PR? Oh my God, such a good question. And there's so, so many. I think there's I think there's a fundamental root cause of why people would prefer to pay an agency 10, 20 grand and with little to no return is because the act of pitching yourself, that is scary. It is so much easier to just make an ad or spend hours on social media DMing 100 people. So, but, but people know that, like people know fundamentally that it's so much better to get onto a publication that is equal to you DMing 10,000 people than you spending three hours in, in the DMs, right? But they don't do it because it means that you have to pitch, you have to put yourself out there and you open yourself up to rejection or just no response, right? So mm-hmm. everything that, like anytime I've worked with founders, I've made it an, an intentional move to only work with founders who are like super bootstrapping, who probably have less than a thousand followers. Some of them don't even have websites. Every single day mm-hmm. I am smashing these limiting beliefs. So the first one obviously is that you have to be ready, that you have to have launched, that you have to have um, lots of customers to get that organic earned press. And most of my clients that I work with are not launched and they're pre-revenue and they're bootstrapping at home but they see a future version of what they can become and the impact they want to make. And then they're able to tailor their story, not about their product, because let's be honest, journalism is not dead. Journalists do not want you to use them as vehicles for your ads, right? So it's actually a good thing that you're not talking about your product. You're talking about the bigger idea. You're talking about the impact that maybe COVID has on your industry or the nuances of being a single working mom, whatever that is, whatever your experience is, that is your power tool not how many customers or how many, how many people are, you know, which influencers using your product. So that's kind of the the big mental gymnastics that people have to do. The second one is they think, oh, well, I need someone to be my agent to pitch to a podcast. So for example, you, Nicole, and you can attest to this. There's such an old way, kind of like Mad Men style of thinking that you need to basically like 
you know, hire someone to like be your agent. And it's like, no, real journalists, they want to talk to the expert and that's you. Don't put something in the middle, right? They don't like going through agents. And Nicole, I mean, you can obviously tell me too, if that's true. Yeah. I mean, with my podcast, what I will say is there are people who know how to pitch themselves and then there are people who don't. And so I get pitches from agencies and they're certainly put together because that's what they're paid to do. And then I get some people where they've learned how to pitch themselves and they're actually a lot stronger because they know themselves, they are their voice. And I feel like I get a feel for who they are a little bit more. And there, I mean, there are some booking agents that are really, really good um, for sure. And, but, and then there are people that they might have a good message, but they're, they are giving me their resume and they're not giving me the value. And they're not really telling me, I have to do a lot of work to figure out why they would be a great guest on my show. And I just don't have the time to do that. (laughs) And and I get a lot of requests. So, so yes, absolutely. I get really, really strong requests from people who are pitching themselves, but it's, it's also because they've, they've learned how to do it. They obviously were trained by somebody like you they bought a course like yours where they've they've put it into a way where I'm like, oh, I see what the episode, I see these three possible avenues that the episode could go down. Um, I see what their point of view is on it. I get it. Okay. Yeah. You can be on the show. And so, so yes, absolutely. People can pitch themselves, but those are very few and far between. Mostly I get booking agents. Yeah. And a lot of times booking agents aren't necessarily better because they're booking 30, 40 people. So they don't really care about their one person. And in terms of talking in a value-driven way, that is the number one skill that I always tell founders. I don't care if you're living in your parents' house and you're building a dream, knowing how to be relevant, truly relevant, right? To um, your audience, to my audience, and being able to adapt that messaging, that skill is going to keep paying off forever, And so I think, you know, the reason why people love my framework and they have applied it even in corporate settings where they're trying to get internal stakeholder buy-in is that it's a value-driven way of having a conversation, of building a relationship. Absolutely. And and let's talk a little bit about that um, because I do want to get into your method, but I wanted to ask you, like, you, and and I haven't seen this before, I I have bought other PR courses. And the one thing that you really stress in there that... I could say wasn't even really mentioned in the other ones that I had I had purchased is the relationship is building relationships. And I, I so I, I want you to talk about your method because I know we'll get into that there. But um, can you talk a little bit about how you see building relationships and and what that looks like? Well, you know, they say that your net worth is your network. And right Mm -hmm. now, when everyone is at home, no one's going to fancy cocktail parties. It has never been easier to get through to the editor's inbox. It has never been easier to be on the same playing field as the billion dollar CEO because we're just all at home. And so I tell people, you have no excuse but to start right now because you are in the same position as someone else because no one's meeting, right? So practicing on your, your pitch, how to write in a concise way. Here's another thing too, and I'm sure you know. Like you said, people give you the resume. They are overstuffing the pitch with their entire autobiography. That is a sign of someone who has not honed in on the skill. Because if you are so confident on your three takeaways, on the three points of value that your audience can can get, if I'm pitching you, right, that shows that I've done the work. It shows that I'm so confident in what I have to deliver. I know that naturally we're going to flow, right? I don't need to overstuff it and overjustify it. 
So that's, so that's like kind of another thing of, you know, people who have no structure and framework, they just overstuff it. And then it just turns the other person off because nobody wants to read a 10 paragraph email. Right. Yeah. And, 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 and that just, I, I think that's where we think more is more. Like I'm going to tell them all of the things, and and then so they get stuck in that, and then I think people also get stuck in I don't have enough to say about me, I don't have enough credibility, I don't have enough, and then they get stuck there. Like I think those are the two places I know I have gotten stuck in both of those places as well. Like where so it can it it is helpful to have a structure that people are working through. So they're not just left to their own devices. And because we get in our own heads, like that's just kind of human nature. Um, but but let's talk about your method, because I think you're, you know, when we talk about your method, it very clearly defines where people go and, and how they can approach this in a way that doesn't feel super overwhelming. So would you mind taking us through your CPR method? Of course. So just a little bit of backstory. I, you know, I came into PR with no contact, no experience, not a single day in the agency. So I had to basically literally Google newsroom, New York times or operator wall street journal and start cold calling from the operator to the intern, to the assistant. And every single time, you know, I got maybe a little bit better, but I had hundreds of phones slammed in my face. Right. And so what I did was over the years, I looked at my emails, I looked at the way I pitched and I started to see patterns of what worked and what doesn't, what is the one thing that's going to make that operator stay on the phone with me five seconds longer. And how is that going to, you know, so it's just literally just from, from failing. And I realized that there is a structure to pitches that I send that get a response. You know, I don't care if it's a bootstrapped, like super early stage client with no funding and they're trying to pitch the New York Times. I've gotten those responses. And I came up with this method called the CPR method, which you're probably not going to find anywhere else because I think people are working with a playbook or some kind of, uh, you know, contacts, which I didn't have. And it stands for C as in credibility, P as in point of view, R as in relevance. So I want your pitch. I don't care if it's for a podcast, for a panel, for a speaking. I, it needs to have those three things. And I think a lot of founders, like you said, because the human ego is all about proving if we're enough, they so focus on the credibility part, but that's mm -hmm. actually the least important part. Mm -hmm. And I actually always say on every masterclass, and you can go to you know my website, gloriachowpr.com slash masterclass to watch it. A lot of founders think credibility is like 90% of it. Credibility is literally 10% of it. So the shorter the sentence is on, I am a founder and here's what I've seen. That's enough. That's it. <laughs> I want you to focus on the other two parts, which is point of view and relevance. So point of view means that you're not selling your product. You're not telling the other person why they should buy it or the use cases. You are basically a thought leader and you have expert insight onto how your industry is changing. What kind of behaviors don't apply anymore? What worked in 2020 that doesn't work in 2021? That's what I mean by point of view, right? So, so if you are um, like, like a career coach, right? the three bullet points in your point of view could be here is how to master your first virtual interview. Because a lot of the older people were not used to doing like interviews online, right? They're used to going to networking events. And then, and then the relevance piece is probably the most important because it tells the editor, this is not a pitch that you're recycling from five years ago, that this is super mm -hmm. topical to the way things are right now. And look, I don't care what industry you're in. Every single aspect of our lives has been fundamentally changed. So that is your opportunity to give insight as to how we are different in 2021, 
how, you know, so, so those are all the things. Um, C is in credibility, point as, P is in point of view, R is in relevance, the CPR method. And so for the person who's sitting there being like, okay, so how do I, how do I wrap my head around this? Because first of all, I do want to kind of point out, like you, you brought up the term thought leader. And I think that that is ultimately where people think content will get them that I'll post more on social media and I'll become a thought leader because more and more people will follow me. And, but this is really the test I think is if you can get a point of view together and get it published, the, the confidence you will get from that, from being able to show up and have your, have your idea published by a major publication or just have it out there in a bigger way. And that's where you get hundreds of followers in a day or thousands of followers sometimes in a day, because you had an article hit and they're like, you know, and people are reading it and it's, you know, suddenly on, and I know stories of that, that has not happened to me. Um, I have had it from podcasts where I've had, um, and, and this is the other thing that we get very, very stuck in how many followers, how many people, the numbers. And I, I'm always one for going deep rather than wide. And I think that PR gives you that opportunity to go deeper with a true thought and not just, you know, the surface level stuff that we see on social media a lot of times that, um, that when you go deep with your audience, that's where someone calls you up or writes you and they're like, I want to work with you. And, and you're like, oh, I'm sorry, who are you? Thank you. And I get that from podcasts, from being on other people's podcasts or people listening to this one, where they're like, I'd really like to talk to you about your, about your coaching. And where did you hear about me? Oh, I heard you on this podcast. Then I listened to your podcast. And it's just a deep connection that you get with people so quickly. Um, so, so if you could kind of talk a little bit about the thought leader perspective. How does somebody know when they have a point of view that is relevant and worth pitching? Like, what do you kind of massage or take people through when you're working with them and you're working on a pitch? You know, I always say there's no such thing as a newsworthy company, but there is such a thing as a newsworthy pitch. I have written pitches for towels, for bags, for <laughs> really not like interesting things like bed linens, and they've gotten featured on top tier press, right? So it, it just goes to show there's no such thing as a newsworthy or pressworthy product or brand, but there is a pitch that is truly newsworthy. So that that's really the whole premise of why I try to tell people there is no legal definition of thought leader, right? So yes, you can be a thought leader. I mean, there's even today I was, I was very disappointed by what somebody said, very tone deaf. And this person has built an eight figure company and she's being called out for her tone deaf remarks. Like, is she a thought leader? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not anymore. So Mm -hmm. I I don't really think that thought leadership has anything to do with how big your company is or how many followers you have. I don't really have a following. Right. But I'm Mm -hmm. able to make impact around the world. But I I have like barely any followers. Most of my clients that I work with barely have any followers. So that's kind of the one thing you need to know. And look, it's so easy to to buy followers (laughs) and to pay an influencer. So I always say, why pay an influencer a thousand dollars? to post something when you could be doing something that's really going to keep paying off for the longevity of your, of your business, which is to translate your product brochure into something that is truly impactful into a resonating message where you are giving perspective, where you're drawing people into your universe, where you're building connection. Right. And and in terms of going, you know, a deep versus going like wide, I think, you know, there's different types of media. So podcasting is a great way for people to have long form storytelling. 
But if you're in the in the article like the New York Times, you're not you're maybe not going to have an hour interview, but it's going to give you that authority that you're not yeah. going to have anywhere else, right? Because it's up to the journalist's editorial discretion of how they weave your expertise into a, a bigger story. But I will say about PR is this: is that people say content is king, but there is no kingdom without distribution, and your ads are not searchable. It's mm-hmm. just not. But if you're you're getting published, if you're on a podcast, if you Google me or you right now, things are going to come up because that is the power of press. You're not going to find my Instagram posts that I spent hours doing, you know? Right. Right. And I mean, I know people who have done like TEDx and they're like, yeah, I just, I get clients just from them watching a three-year-old video that I did. But the fact that I'm a TEDx speaker and the TED brand is so big that it's found, I get views. And then it's this kind of just funnel that keeps, it's an evergreen thing that works for me. And so I, the the power of this is, is, and the potential is so great when we get out of our own way. And I think the message of this is that it's easier than you think to get PR and learn to pitch yourself. And can you give me an example of, and I'm kind of putting you on the spot, so, so feel free if you can't, but, but can you give me a, 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 an example of a pitch that you think was maybe sort of surprising for the person that you worked on it with? Like they, maybe they didn't see the angle or it was a little more approachable than they thought, like where we take it out of like, it's not presenting your product. It's about your point of view. And just for the person that's listening at home and they're thinking, they're like, well, my point of view, I I don't know. I think we automatically go to like our expertise and well, I sell this. So therefore I'm an expert in X and they can't separate the two. Like, how do you get to that? Um, what's, What's an unconventional thought, I guess, that's not tied to your product that you've kind of worked into a pitch? Of course. And this is really my zone of genius. So like, don't ask me where I get these ideas from, but I have like 10 that I could, 10 examples I can give you. So most recently I had someone watch my masterclass and they use the CPR method and they make, um, they make like lip glosses or lipsticks at home, right? They have pre-revenue barely launched. And she's Mm -hmm. like, Gloria, you really transformed the way I thought about it because I was always talking about how my product is for clean beauty, all the stuff, right? But that's really saturated. That's already been done. Mm -hmm. But I thought what was interesting is that, you know, she's an Asian American woman and that there are different biases in the cosmetic industry. And we've all heard about it, like the way that like people would, you know, um, portray like different ethnicities and the cosmetic biases that are there, right? And, And her as an Asian American makeup artist, I felt like she's seen that firsthand. And so we just got together like a tiny little five minute brainstorm session. And she pitched an angle about the biases in the makeup and cosmetic industries, especially with what's going on right now, you know, with inclusion and beauty and and Asian hate, basically. Um, She wrote an op-ed that was on the front page of cosmopolitan.com. That's 34 million views a month. And Cosmopolitan's Instagram officially also reposted it. That's 3.4 million followers, right? So that's something that's truly seasonal, truly relevant. Another one is um, I worked with a a person who's actually a former editor, but she loves cooking and she has a recipe blog. She's not monetizing on it and she's not selling anything, but she just kind of like curates different blogs. It's a passion project for her, right? Mm -hmm. And she came to me because she wanted her blog to be more resonating. So for anyone that's like, well, I don't have a product. I can't do PR. Like this, this example is for you. So during our session, our one-on-one session, um, I started asking her questions and using my methodology, we basically wrote about how um, people's um, 
people's recipe uh, searches online is actually a deeper reflection of where we are emotionally and psychologically as a society. <laughs> right. So, so basically it was the headline that I like to write. I like to write the subject line is, um, uh, you know, cluelessness about lunch, sourdough and child childhood comfort favorites, what our searches reveal about us. Right. Mm. And so in the actual pitch, the three bullet points for her point of view was that um, we actually picked up on a social media meme. And I literally wrote, you want to know who your most depressed friend is? It's a person making sourdough at home and you should check up on them. Right. So all of a sudden, like there was such <laughs> this, it was like, it's kind of like funny, but sad at the same time. So that's one of the bullet points to show where we are. Second one was all of a sudden people were clueless about lunch because that's like an office thing. And so people had no idea how to replace that, you know, this office thing that we used to just get taken care of. So people were clueless. And all of a sudden there's a void in our day where we're like, oh, my gosh, like, I don't know what to do anymore. <laughs> so that was the second one. And the third one was about how we really just want to get back to simple times. So there was a lot of searches about like homemade lasagna and kind of a modern twist on like your mom's meatloaf. And that shows us what we want right now. Comfort food, mm -hmm. you know, we're, we're, you know, it's satisfying us and yeah, there's so many, and there are so many ways that you can go. Like I've even gotten ideas and that's not my zone of genius, but I have like, that makes me think in different ways. And I guess one of the things that comes up for me when I hear you kind of explaining these pitches and how they are like to the side of the mark, they're not you know, if you're, if you're trying to hit the mark, you're kind of doing it wrong. Like what's around it? What are the, what's on the periphery and, and, but connected to the industry where you're an expert in it and you have a point of view on it. And, but, but on the periphery there where you're, you're able to come at it from a way, like where it's not so linear, it's not so on the nose. Like, this is why my lipstick is great. It's no, you know, that's interesting that's, to you. Maybe that's the <laughs> only way you're going to be able to outcompete a billion dollar brand is if you give something that's truly novel and something that mm -hmm. is still related to the subject, right? So whatever that subject is, our sentiments or attitude, career coaching, but it's like a new perspective that maybe you're not a complete expert on, you haven't done data or research, but you're just hearing something interesting through the grapevine. And the whole point of the pitch, and for any of your listeners who are multitasking, come back to us. The whole point of the pitch is not to write the entire story in your pitch, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's, the, it's the other person who is a legitimate journalist. They're gonna use their editorial discretion to get on the phone with you and ask you other questions. So I think a lot of people think they need to overstuff it and they and they just sit in paralysis because they're like, oh, I need to write everything in this pitch and it's never gonna get done so they don't do it. And it's like, no, the pitch is literally just the first step to get them on the phone with you so you can explore a deeper conversation. Because they might change it too. They might they might say like, I like this angle, but I'd like to, have you thought about it this way? They, they might tweak it because it's it's what suits their 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 paper their you know, whatever it is that they're producing. Um, no, and I love that because I, I, I wholeheartedly agree that that's where I've gotten stuck in the past. And I've seen other people get stuck is like feeling like I've got to flesh this out completely and have this have so much content. And it's actually less is more in a lot of ways, just really streamlined, really tight, really, um, really a point of view. Cause I, and I have having the podcast has helped me tremendously seeing how people pitch and what I resonate with and what, like when I get a good one, I save that. I mean, I have them all saved, but I really flag the ones where I'm like, this is a good pitch. Like what did they do here that really stood out to me? Why did I say yes before I even got to the end? I didn't even read the whole thing. And I'm like, yep, you can be on 
Sometimes with the podcast, I'll check to see if I can hear them someplace else to make sure they can speak fluidly about what they do. But um, but no, I, I I love that you brought that up, that it does not have to be this big, long, drawn out, like super powerful, jam-packed pitch. Um, and the other thing I was going to say was when you were talking about some of those pitches is it, it reminds me of like, so if you're an expert, this is your world, this is what you live in. What are the things that like you can't shut up about, you know, what's the, what's the point of view that you would bring to a group of friends who are talking about a topic. And a lot of times it's that angle, like, you know what this made me think of, or, you know, like I was, I was working on my brand. I was working on what I do. It made me think of this or how this related to this. Like what, what jogs your memory when you're reading a news story, I, when you start to trail off into that periphery, that might be a good place to find your ideas. And do you think that people going through and looking at like trending topics is a good place or is that kind of a, you know, does that end up confusing people? So I will say that, you know, knowing, finding the angle and knowing how the pitch writing works and you know, this is that it's, it's a muscle. It's something you have to keep building. Mm -hmm. And so you see pitches all the time, you save the ones and it's just like, you know, like writers are, you know, they read a lot, right? So there are two (laughs) things that you can do right now is you need to sign up for a Google news alert. So let's say you are in the fitness industry or you are a sex therapist, right? Set up a Google News Alert of all the articles and anything that's being published in your keywords. So that's going to ping you and you're going to be able to start to train your mind to think about what makes a subject line, right? What makes a headline? And so that is a great way to start that training because, again, like I said, knowing how to speak in a relevant newsworthy way that will keep getting you invited to all the different tables, right? Whether it's like a speaking panel or an award, it's the same thing. Like the way I pitch, you know, on a podcast is the same way I would pitch for a a publication, right? It's a value driven conversation. Um, That's one. There's also this thing called HARO, which is called Mm -hmm. help a reporter out. And that is kind of um, almost, I don't want to say Craigslist, but it's kind of like a grassroots way of connecting with all the journalistic inquiries, but be careful because it's a lot. You get like three, 400 in your, in your inbox. And if you don't respond right away, you go down a black hole. So on my website, Gloria Chow PR in the blog, I actually did a quick and dirty, like three to five minute training on how you can optimize Haro. And actually somebody that I wrote a pitch for, copied and pasted it into a Haro response and got onto Fast Company. And then she went on to like, yeah. And then she went went on to speak at virtual conferences and she's just like has investors hitting up her LinkedIn. So you just need that one. Yes. You know, so start now, don't delay this process. Absolutely. No. And and I I think that's a great place. Like there's, there's so much to this conversation and I'm going to let the listeners kind of, I I want you to tell them where they can keep in touch with you because this really, if you're interested in this, if you've thought about PR, if you feel intimidated by it, Gloria is just an amazing resource and we are working together now and I'm super excited about it because just, it's amazing to see what you do as far as like rattling filling off ideas and the way that you approach this, it's just, it is much more the entrepreneur's direct way rather than like PR speak to PR speak. You're really talking to how you can do this and apply this in a, in a very approachable way. So tell the listeners where they can keep in touch with you and where they can hear more about you and, 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 and hear more about the CPR method. 
Oh, thank you so much. I always say, like, be careful who you follow online. Ask yourself, have they actually done it themselves or are they just regurgitating other people's content? I had no choice but to kind of just throw spaghetti at the wall. And that's why I think entrepreneurs resonate with this message, because they can tell that I'm not a PR insider at all. Um, You can find me on Gloria Chow PR. That's C-H-O-U. And I host my live masterclasses. It's my way of giving back. Every single time I host these, people walk away with actionable strategies and they're able to land press just you know by themselves. So that is GloriaChowPR.com slash masterclass. I'll probably do one once every two months. So, so look out for that. I also have a thriving and free Facebook group, which you're a part of. And I like to go in there and constantly deliver values via trainings, Q&As, and kind of what I'm seeing as what's working and what's not. And you can register for that and get into the group right away. Introduce yourself at getfeaturednow.com. And then my starter pack, which which you bought as well, is kind of the world's first, uh, I want to say like agency level PR database and, and toolkit, but at a fraction of the price. Because I what I've learned is that in order for you to pitch on your own and not have to pay tens of thousands of dollars is you need two things. You need to know who's covering your industry, right? So you need to know their email, their LinkedIn, where they are, their description, and then you need to know your pitch. And so I've given you all of my CPR templates. I've walked you through all of the times where it got featured, as well as a PR database and so much more. And um, no one's really doing PR this way. You know, so I, th- I think that's why it resonates with the scrappy founder who who believes that without a shadow of the doubt that they are here to make impact and they are not going to keep depending on other people's contact book, you know, to, to, to do that. It really is an action plan and it's an approachable one. So I, I highly, highly recommend it. And and I'm so grateful to you for coming on the show. And I'm, I'm so happy that we connected and, and that we've become friends through this, like in this short period of time. I'm, I'm so excited for everybody who got to listen to this episode. I know that they will get tons and tons of value out of it. So thank you for being here. Thank you so much, Nicole, for doing what you do as well. I'm constantly inspired by you. Thank you. And... For you at home, if you're still listening to us, if you stayed all the way to the end, you know how grateful I am for you that you stayed right to the end of this episode and heard everything that we had to say. I hope you got tremendous value out of it. And remember, you are only limited by the limitations that you accept. And when you stop accepting those limitations, that is when you become limitless. That's when you become a limitless entrepreneur. Have a great rest of your day, everyone. We will see you on the next episode. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed this episode and you want more of this type of content and conversation in your life, please come check out our free Facebook community, Unlock Your Inner CEO, where you'll find next-level entrepreneurs just like you. Go to innerceogroup.com to join. I'll see you there.